them boys with the promise strength. Ain't nobody man enough to feel the pain. And you can be next. You better give respect. Cause ain't nobody breaking this redneck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cleve and Me. We're bringing back a familiar gate. I was going to say face, but I'm going to just say guest because obviously it's audio with uh, former neighbor Billy Granado, hockey coach for the local high school team, is joining us again. And of course, as always, Cleveland on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Cleveland, what are we thinking about today? I'm just thinking about how good SmackDown was. Uh, looking for to football tomorrow, and uh, just look forward to a nice off day today. And, you know, he mentioned it a little bit, so I bring it in. I thought uh, SmackDown, the ending to SmackDown yesterday was phenomenal. Uh, there was a couple, you know, interesting segments they have in it because they have one of the weaker sides of the women's division. But when it came down to the main event, main event man, it was a uh, good way to start a new rivalry in the chapter. But before we get there, Billy, I know uh, – you know, it's Saturday. We all got things to do, so we appreciate it. And welcome back to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back. Um, had a great time the first time. So just looking forward to talking some wrestling. And we, and you know what? We like Billy because he gives us his honest opinion. Like I said before, I he's probably a top three person I disagree with in life. The others being my brother and... I don't know off the top of my head, but he's definitely in the top three. So maybe top two at this point, but he brings a new perspective. We love it. He was actually one of the raffle winners. He said he only checks his mail once a month. So I'm concerned uh, if that shirt got to him, but my brother got his shirt. So it was proof that the prize was real. So please next time people make sure you listen to the show and, uh, Get on before these two knuckleheads get another opportunity. Hey, once I win. once I get get it in the mail, I'll tweet out a picture with it. A- absolutely, me. absolutely. I mean, and that's just a good way. We love to see it. And it was like we said, uh, you know, he's watched wrestling for a while. He, you know, coaches the high school team, and we're gonna get we're going here. We're a proud number of the Time Skew Network. You can catch their podcast all at TSPN underscore, and you can catch their fantasy news at Time Skew Pod. They also do a daily. And weekly, or not daily, but a weekly show covering fantasy that involves Tricky Tones, BGTE. And he is also on Wednesdays. So Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesdays at 7 for your latest fantasy and football news. Moving on quickly, though, because we have a lot to cover and, you know, how it is never a lot of time. I want to start with Monday Night Raw. We got introduced with three triple threat, threat matches, which I usually let you guys give your opinion first. But I think finally, instead of just giving somebody – you know, a chance to fight Drew. They come out, kick him, and Drew says, championship match. I, I like how they did these three matches to at least, you know, see, make it a couple rounds. You have to deserve it to get a championship opportunity. And a long story short, it was AJ Styles, Riddle, and Keith Lee to come victorious. So this coming Monday on Raw, those three will fight to see who will light McIntyre at TLC. I won't give my opinion yet since I've done enough talking. Billy, I want to start with you. Out of Styles, Riddle, and Keith Lee, what do you think makes the most sense and why? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, Styles is proven. He's, he's a veteran. You know, you know what he brings to the table. He's a good champion. Uh, Keith Lee and Riddle just got called up within the last year, so a push for one of them might be big for their career. Uh, 
Keith Lee is a fucking beast. So <laughs> I, I don't know. He can probably take both of them pretty easily. Uh, Riddle's pretty tech, technical. He's a good wrestler. Um, I don't know if he's got that size that uh, a champion should have for the WWE. I don't think he would stand a chance against Drew. So the best matchups would be Styles and uh, Keith Lee against Drew. So, but I'm glad WWE is finally going back to these triple threat, uh, you know, winner, winner advances to get a yep. title shot. You know, they, they haven't done these in a long time. And uh, it's good to see that they're bringing back the old roots. Yeah, because as we know, we get tired of the either it's just, you know, the payback opportunity after you lose it or just the, hey, somebody ruins your victory speech after a belt win and then boom, there's your next match. So it is good to see there because it's a little refreshing as Monday Night Raw is we all know has been a little bit down the past couple of years. Cleveland moving on to you. Same question. Who and what makes them explain to us why you think so? I think AJ Styles makes the most sense simply because the TLC pay-per-view is sort of, uh, it's the end of the year pay-per-view. You normally don't start feuds going into the next year off TLC. Um, Keith Lee, he was established at NXT. I really didn't, I never really watched NXT that much, but the few times I did later in the year last year, I seen how good he moved around in the ring. He's He has a cool finisher. I actually really like his finisher. Matt Riddler screams middle card to me. Um, the bro movement, I don't – I think that's been ran to the ground. I don't think he has won enough matches to even deserve a title shot, if you would say. He won an opportunity. Uh, that was big, but I still think he has a way to go before he actually challenged for the title. Like Billy mentioned, I do love the fact that they are going back to a triple threat fatal four-way just because it adds more dynamic to the match instead of just seeing two people in the ring you see three or four and like i said the the number one contender is so interesting because people want to tune in and see that people want to see people earn their title shots and not just get it after they lose one match at another pay-per-view then get another chance and another chance you just got all these other guys just floating around so a triple threat number one contender match is good because it gives everybody a little tv time but I think the right decision would be AJ Styles simply because it's TLC and it's the end of the year. And on that note, I'm also going to go with AJ Styles and I won't harp on it for too long. But the reason I think it's AJ Styles mainly is a simple reason that he is a heel character and Drew, they want to have a face. Riddle is more of a face guy and Keith Lee, to be honest with you, the WWE is you know, in NXT, you knew what he was. We're not really sure what he is right now on Monday Night Raw. And it's, they're, uh, I don't want to say they're failing with him because he, he, him and he beat Randy Orton in a match um, clean. And he's done some good things, but it's a confusing character right now. So I'm going to say AJ Styles. And, you know, it's a short-term thing to get over the hump to get closer to Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. So Styles, to me, does a great job of being being a heel. And with this new sidekick he has alongside him you never know what could happen there so it's mixing it up a little bit in that regard I want to talk about another storyline really quickly in Monday Night Raw because I think it deserves some notice Randy Orton and The Fiend um, as we all know and actually you guys probably have a better memory of this than me especially Cleveland the you know, there was a huge part one of this in Cleveland I want to bring you in real cap just uh, real quick just to give us a recap of 
the first time Randy Orton and uh, Bray Wyatt went at each other in an intense rivalry on WWE? I believe it was don't, – don't quote me, but I believe it was back in 2017, if I'm correct. I remember Randy Orton defeated Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania for the WWE title, and then they had – you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so I remember that happening. I remember Randy Orton burned down the Wyatt complex. I'm guessing the Wyatt's house. Um, I kind of was watching WWE a little bit back then. So I kind of just remember that because I read that recently. So I remember, yeah, he burned down the, the Wyatt complex. And then Bray Wyatt has not forgot about that. And Billy, just to bring you in on it here, do you think – you know, bringing up past rivalry up into the new, do you think these two are, you know, they don't need a belt to fight each other. Do you think this is the right direction for these two characters right now? Uh, yeah, um, there's not really a storyline for either of them. Uh, WWE wants McIntyre and Reigns as their champion. I think probably going into WrestleMania, at least, uh, at least to the Rumble. So if you can't fight for a belt, you might as well bring back a few that fans really enjoyed and, uh, Bray Wyatt in uh, 2017 was a he was a really good wrestler. He had really good storylines. He's good with creative. So um, uh, I don't know. I think I like it. I wasn't really a fan of or not a fan, but I didn't watch WWE in 2017, so I don't know much about the rivalry other than the few pay per view matches I've went back and watched, and they were all good matches. So yeah. And if you're going to have two wrestlers, at least that are good in the match versus each other's, it's kind of funny, actually. Uh, me, Billy, and Cleveland are kind of on a similar path in terms of how we came back into from WWE. More 2018 and on is where we start to get really familiar with it again, especially for me and Billy, because um, just hanging out in our basement a lot, you know, it just became a thing again. And the paying attention started there and Cleveland a little bit around the same time. So we have this long history, but a little bit of a gap when we were all in our high school, college days, probably just because we thought we were the, the shit. And uh, now we're all, all dorks again. So uh, moving on here to the next segment. Um, you know what? I just wanted to randomly throw this in here this morning. I was actually working out and I was watching the 2008 Royal rumble. I don't know if you, what's up. That's sick flex working out. Good There's job. no flex, buddy. It's just a dad bod these days. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> um, the 08 Rumble, I don't know if you guys remember, that's when John Cena uh, came in 30th. And the final three were Batista, Triple H, and uh, John Cena. And, man, you had guys like Viscera, uh, Umaga, uh, Hornswoggle, uh, even old guys like Rowdy Piper, uh, who is uh, McFoley? I mean, this was just one of the best Royal Rumble matches. And I just told myself, man, I'm getting excited. We're getting closer to Royal Rumble. No matter what year of wrestling it is, no matter how bad Vince McMahon is making decisions in the WWE, we know one thing, you're going to get an electric Royal Rumble. Last year, we all know we got the edge which, I mean, a lot of people cried. You saw the videos out there. I mean, that's how, you know, people are invested in Edge. But Royal Rumbles always bring excitement. And as we're getting closer, I, I don't want to just skip over TLC, but I just want to talk about the Rumble a little bit and 
just get your guys, you know, a favorite moment. I've been talking for a while now. Cleveland, I want to start with you. Just off the top of your head, whether it's 2008, 2019, or another Rumble, uh, give us a favorite memory. 2001, Roy Rumble, Stone Cold wins for the third time. It wow. Was, came down to Stone Cold, The Rock, and Kane. I believe Kane eliminated The Rock, and it's Kane and Austin. Austin hits a stunner, three chair shots to the head. Kane falls out, and it was great. And I remember Austin celebrating on the turnbuckle when The Rock's still just hanging around watching who wins. It was a little foreshadowing because The Rock ended up winning the title the next month against Kurt Angle to set up arguably one of the greatest WrestleMania main events ever. WrestleMania 17, <clears throat> WrestleMania 17 between The Rock and Austin, where Austin turns heel in his home state of Texas. So I think, yeah, 2001 was definitely great. And Billy, just quickly over to you as well. Do you have a Royal Rumble moment that sticks out? Yeah, my least favorite moment. Oh, no. Yeah, when John Cena and Batista went over the rope at the same time. Uh, So dumb. What year was that? Um, Maybe like 06, 07, something like that. 05, I think. 05? Yeah, 2005. They botched that one. What happened in that again? Like, what did they do to, like... They pulled, they, I don't know, they pulled, they were, like, just, like, fighting next to the ropes, and, like, someone was pushing somebody, and I think they slipped. I they do both, remember them going out at, at the same time. The referee's like, he won, and they're like, no, he won, and it's like, bro. I think um, it was funny you mentioned that one, because I remember reading that actually was supposed to happen, but yeah. John Cena was supposed to go first. But it was, like, that was, like, I guess a one-in-a-million chance that they both hit the floor at the same time. Yeah. And that's funny because Vince ran to the ring and blew both his quads. Yeah, that was so, yeah that's, a, that's the part that I remember the most. Wait, what? Runs yeah, to the ring. Uh, runs to the ring, hits the apron, blows both his quads out, sitting <laughs> in the middle of the ring, just like pouting, and then restarts the fight sitting down. That was like the craziest <laughs> thing ever. Poor old man. <laughs> well, hey, you know, so that's Billy for you. Sometimes we bring the positive. He brought the one he hated. Him. Actually, I'm glad he brought that up, though, because uh, that was just kind of odd. And talk about unreal timing of both people hitting pretty much close to the same time. But I just want to get a little rumble talk in there because it's one of the greater times of the year. Honestly, I think besides WrestleMania, which, I mean, is always stacked. Um, just the Royal Rumble, the 10, 9, it just gets the juices flowing. So we'll come back to Rumble in later episodes, but now we're going to get back on track. We talked a little bit about Raw and where they're going in the direction for the main title and the WWE Championship. I want to talk about the main championship over on SmackDown. Last night we had Roman Reigns. You know, he's in Usos head completely. He's the tribal chief, as we all know. He's doing a phenomenal job of being full heel. But now you got Uso just beating up everybody. Otis tries to come out for a match. He hits him with a chair. Then Daniel Bryan backstage, Uso's just beating the shit out of him. And then uh, later later on, Uso's just beating up people again, left and right. And you know what? Who finally steps up? Kevin Owens finally says enough is enough and just absolutely goes off on Uso. I mean, hits him with a chair. He's calling out Roman saying, this is how you want your family to be. Where are you at? I'm not afraid of you. All that shit, blah, blah, blah. Instead of me keep rambling, I think it's a great choice to 
have as a filler. We know he's not going to win, but I think Kevin Owens is a great character. Billy, how do you feel about Kevin Owens stepping up and saying, let's, let's go at it, Rome? Well, I like him. He's got a lot of passion. He's a good character. Um, he's good as a heel and he's good as a face. So he brings a lot of dynamic to any storyline that he's in and you know, the people love him. So, you know, it, yeah, he's going to be a filler, but it'll be an entertaining two, three, four weeks with him uh, on the show. Cleveland, over to you. I like the move. Kevin Owens should have never left the main event card. It's been a long time since he has held a meaningful title in WWE. Um, like you, like Billy mentioned, he's just, it's just, he's a good guy. He's great when he's a heel and he's great when he's a face. And right now he seems like the guy that's just like stepping up for the SmackDown locker room because no one else is really challenging Roman or calling him out on it. So I like Kevin Owens. Also, I like Daniel Bryan being mixed into the feud too. We might potentially have a triple threat match maybe at TLC because, you know, Daniel Bryan has this thing with Jey Uso, but maybe Jey Uso gets tossed in it and we get a fatal four-way. So it's, it's, I kind of like where the SmackDown main event picture is going right now. Yeah, and it's definitely headed in a good place. I think, obviously, as Billy mentioned earlier, and we mentioned plenty of times, we know that now Drew has the belt back and Roman's the champion, that they're going to take these to the very minimum Royal Rumble and most likely to or through WrestleMania. It just depends how we get there. So for TLC, we really don't see it, you know, folding over too much. You know, I'm being a little random and all, all, all over the place today, but I want to bring in, I just saw a little video and just saw something on my phone. John Moxley, he's always, he's kind of like the new WWE basher lately. It, it used to be just like Jericho um, and other guys, which we love Jericho, but he used to be the main one for that. Now, I was just seeing Moxley earlier. He said and I, uh, about the Shield that they started as nobodies and ended up being the Backstreet Boys. So I don't really know what that means, but the way I'm segueing him in here is this. He has a championship match coming up with Kenny Omega. And I know Billy G is a huge Kenny Omega fan and an AEW fan. So it'd be rude of me to not at least with so much more WWE to talk about, to at least bring in some here, Billy, me and uh, Cleveland will give our opinions in a bit, but I want to get yours first. What are you thinking about a championship match of Moxley and Omega and who should win? Yeah, I believe they fight at winter is coming next Wednesday. And I, you know, Moxley's, He's all right as a character. Um, I see why WWE didn't really push him always. Uh, you kind of get tired of it. Um, he's got the same couple moves. He's kind of just, I don't know, he just kind of throws himself out there like a lunatic, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think his time's up as AEW champion. I think Kenny Omega will beat him. Kenny Omega is an awesome wrestler, an awesome character on the mic. People love him. Uh, you brought him over from Japan. Let's start using him. Come on now can't put him as a tag team champion with you know uh adam page right right now and i mean it's it's you like you said you gave him all this money it was one of the top free agents you know it, everyone had their chance jericho cody wrote it's time to get kenny omega his opportunity and moxley you know he's been champion for a while and me and cleveland actually both agree with you in the sense that there was a reason wwe never gave him the full pitch the full push and yes, it pissed him off. And of course, out of him, Roman and Seth, he was probably the most left behind with the interesting storylines with Cleveland. Just thinking about this match in general, 
since we know your opinion most, Sam Maxley, do you think it should change hands to Kenny Omega? I think it should. Billy mentioned a great point. Um, I really don't – I really haven't – before AEW started up, I really never knew who Kenny Omega was, but I heard he's one of the greatest wrestlers in Japan. He put on stellar matches. I seen the one where he wrestled that little girl. Um, I think she was a seven-year-old or something. It was pretty actually an interesting match, the way he sold and bumped for her. So I think it is time that he gets his time to shine. I remember they put him right in the tag team division. And um, I feel that his talent is way above something like that. And then um, I'm not going to get too much on a rant about John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, oh, yeah, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> but like Billy mentioned, there is a reason why he was not pushed in the WWE. I know we bash Vince McMahon. We always say Vince never pushes these guys and this and that. And then they go to these other promotions and they become big stars. There's a reason why he's a big fish in a small pond. And once the fans get, once after a few months, you, you get bored with him because he does nothing else. Like Billy mentioned, he's a lunatic. Same moves. His promos are okay, but it's just like he doesn't scream franchise player to me. So, and, uh, you know, I, I did used to actually like, uh, Dean Ambrose's parts. I thought it was cool when he uh, turned on Seth Rollins in his, one of his last terms. But as a main champion, he's been a main champion for a while, and it's probably his time to give up. You know, the reins to a a phenomenal wrestler in Kenny Omega. I'm not. I like kind of like Cleveland said. I wasn't too too familiar before he came to AEW, just because I didn't watch a lot of overseas wrestling until as of late. But hey. You know, I've seen him in the ring on AEW, and he's been pretty, pretty impressive. As I look over, the, you know, the AEW schedule, and I'm just looking at, you know, last week's recap and moving on, I wanted to really see what was going on with Chris Jericho and, um, M M wow, MJF, as I just like to say. So it says here, Chris Jericho and Jack Hager defeated Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. The inner circle was ringside. In the end, Kaz entered the ring to save CD. The referee forced Kaz out. MJF used the distraction to pop Daniels in the face of the ring. Jericho blasted CD with the Judas effect, and Hager picked up the pin. So it seems as if right now MJF is actually filling into this team quite nicely, which I'm kind of surprised about because, you know, Chris Jericho – is very convincing, but MJF is a very strong personality. And Billy, I just don't know um, if you've been, I know you are busy with hockey practices at nights, but unfortunately due to COVID, I think you have a little more time now, unfortunately. And fortunately, I guess it depends how you look at it, but definitely more unfortunately since it's your job. Um, anything on Jericho or MJF? Uh, I love both of them. Uh, you know, Jericho has had this major heel uh, presence for the last 25 years. MJF is young and has that same exact presence when Jericho came in. He knows how to talk shit. He can back it up in the ring. Uh, he's very, very, very entertaining. So adding him to, you know, the inner circle, it's just a baby Jericho, basically. You know, he's he brings the same uh, characteristics as him. Um, and yeah, I can see them feuding for a while. Uh, after you know him breaking something in the inner circle and them uh, going at it and who better to learn from than Jericho who's done it for ma many many years he you know as he worked with Kevin Owens and back in Kevin Owens big run and we he worked with others 
Um, just a great heel. And MJF, like I agree with Billy, it's kind of like a mini re- not like exact reincarnate. I don't want to call it the exact same uh, path, but definitely pretty close in uh, just that badass cocky attitude. Cleveland, over to you. Um, you know, you watched Jericho for many, many years in the WWE. But MJF, do you th- the little or more you know about him, what do you think about his character? I think he's the face of AEW. I think he's one of their rising stars. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I actually really like him. He gives me he gives me the young, cocky, arrogant heel. I love the scarf move he wears to the ring. Um, I see him as I see him as the future of the company. I think him feuding with Jericho is the right thing to do. We know in the past Jericho has no problem putting younger stars over. So I think him working with Jericho is a tremendous boost to his career. And I don't, I forgot how, I forgot how old he is. I know he's still like in his mid twenties. So he's got a while to go, ways to go. So this feud with Jericho is a big way of him hopping into the AEW title picture. I think he did have a title shot. So maybe next time we challenge, he actually wins the belt this time. And we definitely could all, see the path for a great young character like MJF. Um, Sorry for me fumbling his name a minute there earlier, but he is just up and coming star in AEW and we're excited to see the direction because I think Jericho is going to allow him to get over as many veterans do these days. We've seen a a lot when people's careers are coming to an end when they have the respect for somebody to put over. Not always, but most of the time. Um, moving on a little bit now, I'm glad we were able to get some AEW talk in there because you know what? Hey, they keep gaining. I noticed, I don't know know all the names off the top of my head, but they, they definitely keep signing some former WWE stars and they are trying like, like I mentioned, get the third hour of the show and possibly two shows on as I was disappointed. They gave Taz the dark show, man. I thought he would at least be able to make the main card in, uh, AEW, but Unfortunately, he's on their dark show right now, so I'm hoping eventually, you know, he can get up there when the third hour comes on. Hey, speaking of Taz, I really like the direction that they're going in with him. Yeah, isn't he like the head of uh, like a few guys in the clan or whatever? Yeah, so he, uh, who does he, uh, who's the big guy? I can't, I can't, I can't remember his name, but he's, uh, yeah, he's like his manager, does all of his talking. And he just comes out to the ring and goes on rants. And last Wednesday, they had to cut his mic off. They made a whole thing. He was trying to legitimize the belt that he gave him. And no, the segment's good. He, he's good on the mic. He swears like at least good, like good four or five times. And I'm like, holy shit, like this guy's just going off. I'm trying to see because as you said, he has the um, FTW belt from back in his day that he carries around. And I'm trying to... I know his faction is growing here, and it says Taz's evening started off simple enough as Will Hobbs squashed Lee Johnson with a following power slam. Taz came down to the ring with a message for AEW top brass. He was tired of management disrespecting the FTW championship. Taz refused to leave until the situation was remedied, so production cut his microphone twice, eventually came out requesting Taz take a hike. Cody gave some bullshit line about setting the FTW up his flagpole. So Cody Rhodes, you know, he's a big part there. Maybe they're starting a little, you know, rivalry that way. Cody Rhodes, as we know, he doesn't need the belt. Is always a character. Actually, speaking of the 2008 Royal Rumble real quick, Cody Rhodes, that was his first Royal Rumble. He was actually tag team champions with um, 
what was his name? The oh, DiBiase's D- son. Hardcore Holly. No, Hardcore no, but yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 Hardcore Holly. That was it. That was it. Thank you for the reminder there. But uh, so they was... lost the belts to DiBiase, and then Cody's like, "Yep, yeah, I'm not his tag team partner." Like, man, it's it's funny how th- it was just funny seeing him there because he was so looks so young compared to how he. I mean, he doesn't look old by any means, but he's definitely very fold out now and a much bigger character. Brian Cage though was the name I was looking for. Ah, there it is. Man, he's huge. Big he, motherfucker. Yeah. Honestly, I like like not to keep on it too long, but since we only have a few moments here before the break, and we come back really quick and talk a little more WWE and NFL, um, I'm not really happy with the way they're using. Uh, I just forgot his name. They're using him so Miro, formerly known as our boy. Uh, Ru- I just forgot his name. Rusev. You got to work him in though. He's new to the company. You know, other people there have paid their dues. So you got to you know start from the bottom technically at the company and work your way back up. And I know, and I agree with that. I just think I'm really not, I'm not huge on, I guess, his in-ring ability as I thought I would be. I kind of like am a little disappointed comparative to like a Dean Ambrose, I guess you could say, where he doesn't have as many things. But I used to, I have respect for Rusev and uh, I have a lot of respect for the beautiful Lana as she is teaming. She's popping off right now. She is popping off. So, you know, (laughs) it's kind of a good transition there because everyone thought, you know, she was, Went through the table nine times. They're just going to do her bogus. But, you know, they're actually – talk about building a storyline. Lana, as we all know, is not that great in the ring. Has she worked on it a lot? Yes. Is there proof of that? Yes, all over the internet. Whether you follow What Culture Wrestling or WrestleMania, they always say how she works very hard and she's actually improving. But, hey, she got a little bit of a spot in the last pay-per-view at Survivor Series and now might team with Asuka and – Cleveland, I heard a rumor in the last few minutes we have here before break that they, being Asuka and Lana, might defend the, I mean, try and go for the tag team titles and may beat Nia and Shayna Baszler so they can strengthen the women's singles division. What do you think about that? I actually read that on Bleach Report last week, too. Uh, they mentioned it like on the fallout of Raw. Maybe Alana has an ally and Asuka. I don't. Like I, like I mentioned a while back, I just don't understand the women's tag team. Like, what are they doing with the titles? Because, all right, Asuka, they win it again. Like, what's – they're another, like, made-up team. There's no, like, true established teams in this women's division. It was the Iconics. The Iconics, you had the Riot Squad. You had some teams, and then they just sort of, like, just split them up for no reason. So, even if they were to compete for the titles, I think it would be – it wouldn't mean anything. Like you mentioned, Lana has improved in the ring very, you know, from when she started way much better, but let's be realistic. The survivor series victory was made to look like a fluke. You know, it was ridiculous. How she, it was a count out victory. The girl yeah. banned to the stairs for the early part of the match. Okay. Okay. At least give her like, don't make her seem like Hornswoggle. At least give her some where like she like earned the victory, not just freaking like surprising her way in there. Hey, I listened to last week's podcast where you guys had tones on, and Cleveland hit it on on spot right there. He said, "Yeah, Lana's gonna be the last one standing." Yeah. Like, all right, all right. I don't see it, but little did you know, Sunday came around. She was the last one standing in the middle of the ring. And I'm actually. That's ahead, I just felt that's where they were going. It's. I mean, it was something that had to be the payoff for going through a now table nine times. So they have to reward the girl for something. I just didn't think it was 
will be as ridiculous as a count-out victory. Just standing on the stairs, majority of the match. But before I don't, before we go to, I want to mention that was a nice women's match, but it was. I think it should have went on first, just because it was at points it was very sloppy. There was a lot of sloppy moves, but there were also two people that stood out very nice: Peyton Royce and Liv Morgan. Both put on a phenomenal showing. It was some move Peyton Royce hit. That move looked so raw. And then Liv Morgan, same thing. You know, she had a little spark. So that was like, I like that, but I think it could have started the show. Yeah, Liv Morgan has some secret, like, really sick moves. We were, uh, when we were at WrestleMania in New York, she, what was the Battle Royal that they had? She was doing all kind of crazy shit. And we're like, oh my God, like, why don't they push this girl ever? Is Is she not good on the mic? Like, what's her deal? But... She can she can wrestle. Well, and that's the thing. They the Peyton Royce. The reason um, you know they she broke up with uh, Billy Kay and Liv Morgan was breaking up with Riot Squad for a little bit. There is because they saw singles pushes in both Liv Morgan. If you remember, she started to do her own thing. Was actually a um, I'm pretty sure a lesbian with Lana in the wedding controversy thing. And then she actually had her own song. And then she moved on. And it looks like she was going to be on her own. And then she went back to Riot Squad. And then with Peyton Royce, Vince McMahon actually mentioned her. And Bailey, I was actually listening to her the other day, and she was just raving about Peyton Royce getting the next, you know, you know, push at an opportunity for a woman's title. And I think it is coming. Um, we'll get to it when we talk about SmackDown with Mella and Banks. That is occupying that division. And at the moment, Asuka doesn't have much going on. So – We'll get the girls division there and see, hopefully they start to use, you know, they fumble the women's division. They don't know, really know what to do with the tag teams. To me, Nia and Shayna, they should be singles. And quite frankly, either probably battling each other just because you got a, you know, a big mama. And then on the other side, you got a former UFC fighter or split the shows and at least just have them wreak havoc. Uh, I think they're kind of being wasted as tag teams. And we all know a breakup sooner than later, but I'm hoping for really, really soon. But before we get out of here and come right back after a quick little time out, I just wanted to bring up one last thing, and that is Mella and Banks since Ron, the woman. Last night for the first time, Banks actually got her a little bit of payback on Carmella. Mella was giving a, a shout out and pretty much saying she's going to you know, come after Sasha. And all of a sudden you see the boss's rings across her fingers and she kicks um, – <laughs> Mella's ass. Billy, since we haven't got your opinion, we don't know. Really quickly here, um, does Carmella bring spice or with her new character, or do you think it's just same old, same old Mella and it's just going to be, it's going to be kind of, it'll be decent matches, but nothing too spectacular. Uh, same old, same old, you know, she flirts around being a heel, then she flirts around being a face, uh, mostly heel. It switches, you know, every like two months. They had her she had the champion at Money in the Bank like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a nice little push there, but ever since then, kind of fizzled down. They put her with uh, the guy with no neck. And that was just horrible. Our truth as well. And <laughs> no, the guy with no, no neck and chin was the worst. I forgot. Um... Yes, I know who you're talking about off the top of my head, and I'm just forgetting. We call the mini AJ Przinsky. But on that yeah. note, fellas, we will we will be right back, bro. 
we're back from break. Thanks, everybody, for that. And hope you enjoyed the little tune, as always. You know, we talked a lot about Raw and SmackDown post-Survivor Series. We brought in a little AEW. Our last two segments are going to be quick but efficient. We want to talk a little bit about Survivor Series in itself, even though we want to breeze over it as quick as WWE does, and unfortunately. And we want to bring in some couple NFL notes and talks. So starting with Survivor Series, Billy, I know during the break you mentioned you did not like the men's match. Why was that? There was zero direction in it. Um, You know, Seth Rollins, first guy out, literally sacrifices himself to the the Raw team. What are you doing? You're a good wrestler. Why, you know, waste a spot that potentially could have been the Undertaker? Because I think they botched that whole opportunity. Why, you know, why waste that spot, be out like that, and then your other teammates just drop like flies, you know? Um, it makes sense if they want, you know, AJ, with AJ Styles, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle were all on Team Raw, which I get you want to kind of push them as dominant characters if they're going to, you know, fight for the belt. But come on, man. Like, give me something better than a clean sweep of SmackDown. I wasn't a big fan of the match either, but to play a little devil's advocate, Seth Rollins is taking a break now. So maybe that was just a, their way of setting him off into the distance until Royal Rumble time. And, you know, Undertaker, a lot of people give him crack, crap how he should have just put it down. I do agree you could have hit him more. And as me and Cleveland said, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad Billy brought that up. We kind of we don't fumble many predictions, but we totally thought either Undertaker was going to join Team SmackDown or have a battle with the Fiend, or like, it, not a battle, but, you know, he come out and it started a WrestleMania run for them too. And it didn't happen. We think we might have seen the end of the dead man. Now, Vince McMahon has told Undertaker, if I need you, I will call you. But the way it seemed last time, it seemed pretty, you know, a farewell tour. All the legends came out. Vince McMahon gave the entrance, and Undertaker said he has to rest in peace Cleveland, I want to bring you in real quick on that. Um, since our predictions were up to par, do you think this is the end of The uh, Undertaker? turned it off a little bit after the Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns match because I thought it was over. Then I go on YouTube and I see um, the tribute for The Undertaker. And I thought it was pretty cool that they brought all of these like wrestling legends out. I think it was a proper send-off. I think this is the end for The Undertaker. It's 30 years. He has nothing left to prove in the business. Um, there's nothing left for him to do or prove to anyone. So I think, yes, this will be the end for The Undertaker. Sadly, but yeah. Billy, do you think the same or disagree? Because you know, I, I agree 100%. I watched The Last Ride, and it wasn't he wasn't trying to prove anything to anybody else, at, the, at least the last five years. He was just trying to prove it to himself that you know he can have a better match and if he's going to end it, his career, he wants it to be one of the best matches he's ever fought. And that's why he kept coming back. He was, he was planning on retiring like five years ago, but he, was, uh, he hated the match with Goldberg. It was so sloppy. He had to come back and redeem himself. Um, I, I forget who else it was. It may be – I don't know if it was a Mania match, but it, it may have been the match against Roman. I don't think that the, – uh, uh, Yeah, he had the Roman – Reigns loss. He had that John Cena fumbled mania moment where they. Yeah. So like he kept fumbling, uh, you know, he showed his age a lot. And then he's like, I have to, I have to redeem myself. Like this, he's never been a sloppy wrestler. So like, I get that. He he wanted to prove it to himself that he can, you know, uh, go on on a high note. 
He didn't. He had nothing to prove to anybody. He honestly he had nothing to prove to any of us after ten years of in the business. He was, <laughs> I was, he was that electric. I was gonna be on. I was gonna say, let's be honest. Ever since uh, like two thousand, the year two thousand, he never had to prove a thing. And um, you know, we're gonna stick on the Undertaker a little bit just because he was such an iconic figure and great wrestler. I was actually listening to a little bit of Jay Hood because he has a wrestling podcast on AM one thousand and is actually on every Tuesday. And I did not know Undertaker was actually fired from WCW. Um, he was not an Undertaker form character, but he was a big guy. He was a tag team for a bit, but he was actually let go by them. And then he made his way over and we all know the different personas he captured and encompassed himself by to be the Hall of Famer he's going to be. Uh, we all can agree he was one of the best in the business and simply it could have ended a while ago. But like uh, Billy said, there was some fumbled moments that led to a couple of things happening where I think the cinematic match was a great ending and a great touch, even though due to COVID, he couldn't be in the ring, which maybe is a good thing. Um, you know, going over a little bit more on that, I think he is probably done as well. I love my old timers being in the ring, but when the undertaker tells himself to rest in peace, just like he tells others, it should be that time we should, you know, pass the torch along. Moving on a little bit, though, with great talk about uh, the legendary Undertaker, Cleveland. I want you just to bring up, you know, Billy wanted to get the men's match in there. We talked about the women's. Uh, I guess let's just talk about plain and simple, the main event. I, th I think it was very impressive. How about yourself between Drew and Roman? I thought it was, too. Um, it started off first gear was pretty solid. Then it kind of went into second gear where it slowed down. And then, boom, it just came third gear and the match really picked up. Um, Jay Uso added, Jay Uso played a big part in the match at the end. He comes out and he distracts Drew McIntyre. I love the sacrificial lamb. I'm guessing Jay Uso is going where he's doing anything to please Roman Reigns. And all Roman, all Roman just tells him is he doesn't even say thank you or anything. It's just like he brushes it off and say you still failed. And um, Billy made a good point. I hate the fact that they, like, WWE does this every year. I don't know what it is, but for the last few years of Survivor Series, they feel the need to bury Team SmackDown. I hate it so much. There's no reason why women's, the women's SmackDown team should have an elimination and not the men's SmackDown team. That's so crazy, especially how disorientated and disfigured that the team Raw was, and the fact that he just came through with a clean sweep is absolutely bullshit. Makes me so mad to see that, that for the last few Cleveland's rants. <laughs> it's more of a just, I'm tired of seeing it. SmackDown has been putting on phenomenal shows this entire year. I don't understand why WWE feels the need. And it's so dis a clean sweep is so disrespectful. It's literally just shoving the B label to SmackDown. Now, I have a little bit of a theory. So, uh, SmackDown, they're on Fox, major network, and they're on at primetime. So, I think that sometimes they try to push the Raw show just a little bit harder because they're not on the major Fox network. They're not at, you know, they're on primetime for three hours. But, they're, you know, it, a primetime uh, time slot on a major network is huge money. So, um, they get they get their viewers, and then I think they just want to push like the USA, you know, USA show, just like they push the Fox show. Well, let's be honest. Monday Night Raw for years and years and years and years and years was the main 
the main show. Vince McMahon's baby is Monday Night Raw. Moving to Fox and moving to, yes, they have moved from Tuesday to Thursday to Friday, all over the place, but they've never been on the main channel Fox. USA has kind of always dominated with them both being on USA or USA and other small networks. I remember sci-fi back in the day did a little bit, a couple other networks. So Fox is big time. Um, and Monday Night Raw ratings have fallen for the last few years consistently. Now, in comparison to AEW and NXT, it's still smacked down the Monday Night Raw, then a big drop to AEW, then a little drop to NXT. But you don't want to compare yourself. You want to compare yourself to yourself over the past and the trickle-down effect, unfortunately, for Monday Night Raw has happened. Now, I do think since the draft, at which they didn't botch for Raw, it has actually brought a little more spice to the show, and I hope that they don't botch storylines such as Randy and Fiend and Drew versus whoever in the coming uh, weeks that we will find out leading the TLC. Moving on, though, we have a few minutes left in the show. We're so thankful to all the guests again. And, you know, we said changes could be coming in the near future. We are still looking at those opportunities. We're definitely going to do some YouTube live segments before pay-per-views in the future. And we'll have great people on like Billy Tones, Myron Chapman, known as Rio Kendrick. And we'll get definitely a lot of personalities and, you know, kind of have like a pre-game, pre-show one of these pay-per-views in the near future. I'm thinking Royal Rumble might be the time for that but getting back I want to end it with a little bit of football I'm a Colts fan uh, as we all know Cleveland is sadly a Cowboys fan but he does want it to fall apart so maybe I think he's cheesing over there and Billy's Bears even though they've fallen apart they have a huge game tomorrow with the Green Bay Packers so I'll start real quick COVID is unfortunately an injury has hit the Colts a little bit. Not that anybody wants your excuses. We got a tough game in Tennessee tomorrow. I'm still picking them to win. I'm not going to, it's in Indianapolis. We're only missing a few guys, not like eight or 10. And um, I'm sick of the Titans. I'm sick of, I'm sick of them. I'm Ryan Tannehill. I'm, I want to almost call him a dog face pony soldier, but I'm not going to do it. I want to wait to see what happens. I think Colts win uh, 24 to 20 in a hard fought battle. And a lot of people, I'm sure, will disagree with me, but my Colts have disagreed with a lot of predictions in the past few weeks. We're coming up with big victories in Tennessee and Green Bay. Moving on to Billy, because I know Cleveland's probably steaming about the Cowboys. Billy's steaming probably a little about the Bears. Billy, my question to you is, do you want them to win this game tomorrow? Or do you just say, let's lose out, fire everybody, clean house, and start over? Or you're not there yet. I think they plan on doing that, uh, depending on how the season goes anyways. You know, it's a start of five and one. Worst five and one team in the history of NFL. I end up being five and five. Um, yeah, they're really, really, really hard to watch. I was excited Nick Foles coming in, you know, he backing up Mitch to start the season. Mitch has a lackluster performance in Atlanta. Foles comes in, they have a 20 point, you know, deficit, come back, they win the game. I'm like, okay. This is the team. Here we go. McFoles, man. Big Dick Nick. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. No, he has been atrocious. Um, you know, he is known for being a streaky quarterback. So I understand, you know, the streaky runs that he'll go on uh, down the field always ends up in a 20 yard sack, like on third down. It's like, well, there, that killed that drive or, you know, a couple penalties. Um, 
Yeah, so now they got it's been confirmed. Mitchell Trubisky is back under center. I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Uh, At least he can move. They are three, you know, with him as a starter this year. Um, yeah, so that, that's their main problem. Their their offensive line is so bad that you know Nick Foles is standing back there like a statue. He's getting crushed. Um, I had to get carted off the field for a hip pointer injury. So I'm glad he's not playing because yikes, that looks bad if you play after getting carted off the field. Um, yeah, uh, I want the score to prediction. What's that score prediction? 21 to 10 Bears. The Bears defense. Wow. Bears defense comes out fierce. Uh, there's going to be a lot. It's, hey, this relies on all of the defense. They're going to have to turn the ball over or get turnovers and at least one defensive score. 21 to 10. I, he did drink a lot last night, ladies Aaron and gentlemen. Rod, no. Nope. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> in his pants when Khalil Mack comes up. If you're in them footsteps, and he's going to kill him. Cleveland might get hurt the first play of the game like he did two years ago. So, Cleveland, before you talk about Dallas, are you <laughs> getting on board with the Bears tomorrow? You know, um, I do want the Bears to win. I was I of always practically joke the Bears fans. I don't know why they benched Mitch in the first place. He was three and zero regardless. He was horrible at that. playing that bad. I think Nagy's the issue. Nick Foles is Nick Foles shows he's a backup quarterback. He's true colors. Um. Yeah, I don't know what Billy was drinking last night, but man, that is something. Ten <laughs> I think we forget Aaron Rodgers just lost to the Colts last week by three points. So you got a pissed off Aaron Rodgers playing the Chicago Bears, who <clears throat> that five one record is uh <clears throat> seems so long ago. So I want the Bears to win. I probably would go twenty one to seventeen. I think ten is crazy. I think it's a little disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers to do that. Oh, fuck Aaron Rodgers. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Unless he wants to become a bear next year, then, you know. Uh, but uh, Cleveland, not to talk, keep talking sad stories on this show, but do you just want to keep seeing this, the L's by the Dallas Cowboys after this Thursday Turkey Day performance? You know, I feel, I feel like an ass. I remember right before the game, I was texting Myron. I was chirping in the group chat. I was feeling it. I was like, we're going to be number one tonight. We're in the worst division in the league, but it doesn't matter, baby, because we're number one. And then what do they go do? They shit the bed against the WFT. I love that nickname. <laughs> Football team. Alex Smith went crazy on us. God bless him. God bless him. I'm so happy. Greatest, great comeback story, but come on. Let's like be realistic. I didn't know what the hell the fake punt was. I didn't even know what the hell he was thinking right there. That was a very bad move. It was such a close game. The Cowboys were looking really good. Then after that, it just – everything just fell off. I don't know what the hell's going on with Zeke. I don't know if Zeke just, like, he eats popcorn before the game. I don't know why. He's got butterfingers all the time. He can't block. Um, I like the backup. I'm kind of liking his backup running back. Pollard. I'm liking Pollard. He's strong. You know, he's – He's, Zeke's bigger than him, but he's still like breaking. Zeke's kind of a stuffed turkey these days. Kind of a soft. It's like he got paid and he just forget how to play the game. So I think, you know, at this, like I said, there's no point of the Cowboys losing too many games because they don't need a quarterback if that's where their goal they're trying to. They don't need Dak is their man. Mike McCarty has to go. Um, he has to go. I think I was watching Stephen A. Smith and he made a great point. It was that 
he had two great Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Brad Farr and Aaron Rodgers. So when you got such great quarterbacks, it kind of like master mistakes a little bit. Like you can throw a Hail Mary with Aaron Rodgers and feel comfortable. You can't throw that with damn Andy Dalton and feel comfortable. So I don't know. I don't know. Jerry Jones, he's, he really needs to do something. Need to pay that man back. Uh, CeeDee Lamb had the best catch of the, the year. Awesome. I know it happened last week, but, man, that was a phenomenal touchdown. We got a draft still in him. Amari Cooper still. He's still doing him. And I like Andy Dalton as a backup. But we need to pay Dak. And, yeah, no, and Jerry yeah. Jones – Jerry Jones definitely needs to wake up a little bit. Like Vince McMahon, he's getting a little senile in age. Kind of like Reinsdorf with the White Sox. Like, he's senile as well. And Virginia McCaskey is senile. So, so we have a lot of senile people. We're wrapping up with the show. But before we get off the NFL segment, I just want to bring up one other game to watch out for this weekend is Kansas City at Tampa Bay in the 325 time slot. We got the yeah. GOAT versus the uh, – the, not the new kid on the block anymore, probably the GOAT versus the GOAT, honestly. Yeah. It's Mahomes versus Brady in a match. Um, really quickly, before we end the show, a final thought and a score prediction on that game. I'll start first. I'm going to go I'm gonna go out on a limb because I, I hit there in my Super Bowl prediction. I'm going to go Buccaneers 31, Kansas City 27. Billy, over to you. Uh, what time is this game being played at? I believe 325. All right, so Tom Brady will be ready. He will not be ready to go to bed. He cannot perform <laughs> anymore in those late-night slots. He's an old man that just doesn't have it in the late games. Um, the Buccaneers are a tricky team. Uh, sometimes they look like world beaters, and then sometimes they look like shit. So um, I got to go with Kansas City. Uh, they're probably going to win the Super Bowl again. They are nasty. They have all the weapons. Their defense is not horrible. So I'll say, uh, you know, I'll say, I don't even know. I don't even know. Twenty seven. Let's go. Let's go. Twenty seven to fourteen. The Kansas City. Ooh, wow. Any last comment before uh, we thank you on for having you on again? Any last thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say thank you again for letting me on again. It's always fun with you too. You guys bring uh, really good perspectives. And uh, it's a good time. And we appreciate for that. And, we, you know, you will, as, like we said about Tones, there's few people every season we're on, this being season two, episode two, you will be on every season we continue. So we thank you for that. Cleveland, final comment and prediction on uh, Chiefs Bucks. Um, I'm going to say Chiefs are going to mop the floor with the Bucks. Wow. Really mention it. Um, they're like the doctor and Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of the NFL. You don't know what you're going to get from Tampa Bay. They come out and they look against North Carolina. Oh, they whoop the shit out of the Panthers. And then the next week, they shit the bed. Patrick Mahone, I think, like I meant, the Chiefs are on fire. They beat their biggest issue, which was the Raiders, the only team that actually gave them a scare this season. So I think they're cruising on to the Super Bowl. They're going to win it again. I, I think it's nonsense. Maybe the Steelers are the only competition, but I think it's, it's the Chiefs versus the NFL, basically. Um, I don't know, Tom Brady's – he's not looking like Tom Brady anymore. Um, maybe, you know, they say Belichick missed him in New England. Maybe Tom Brady misses Belichick out there in Tampa because he has all these weapons. Mike Evans, he just got A.B. back. He has Grunt. He has all of these weapons, and it's like he's throwing hella interceptions. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then let's not, let's not forget that Patty Mahomes should have two rings because – they almost beat the Patriots a few years ago, but you know that coin toss happened. So 
Brady has mm-hmm. that win, but I'm going 31 to 10. Chiefs are mopping the floor. We got the Kansas City natives in here today. And, hey, let's be honest, I can't really blame them for those predictions. It's the best team in the game. Even though not record-wise behind Pittsburgh, they're just – you have Patrick Mahomes, and that's all you need, quite frankly, when you have a soldier as good as him. Now tell me this. Do you think this has to do with Bruce Arians, why Tom Brady looks so bad? Because he's expecting him to throw the ball all the way downfield, and that's never been Brady's game. And you can do that. It works with Jameis. Jameis has a cannon. But Jameis also had the interceptions. And, you know, that has been a lot of the talk, and there is a lot of the talk down there with the blame game of pointing fingers at, you know, whoever rather will be, rather be from a play-calling perspective, from a quarterback perspective. But that being said, they're still 7-4, and four, and I'm going to go the opposite, like I said, and uh, I'm going to be rooting against the Chiefs. I don't want to see them win it again. I don't want to see the new New England, you know, start tree start with all these Super Bowls. So go Tampa Bay, go Indianapolis, go Chicago, and go for Mike McCarthy being fired for Cleveland. But anyways, on that note, it's a Saturday afternoon. Um, We're not going to have too many nice days left. It is a little chilly, but hey, get out there while you can. And as always, thank you fans and everybody. Not only good day, but also sleep well tonight for football in the morning. Peace out.